Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez, with me, as always, Arif Dean, double A, we're calling him. Hope that sticks. I hope people are starting to call you that on Twitter. And, of course, Patrick Stedman on the controls. How you doing today, Arif? I'm doing well. Double A is doing great, JJ. Has, has that stuck yet? It, it seems like it has. I mean, nobody, not a lot of people say my name anyway, so now they got something to say, so may as well. Uh, we got some, uh, of course, we got some avalanche hockey to get into, but I think we have to start this podcast with the news that's rocking the hockey world right now, right? And that's the Kyle Beach and the Chicago Blackhawks scandal. I mean, you just hate to see what's going on, especially, you know, I think my opinion of it too is just the timing is terrible, right? The avalanche are really getting in a, a good spot publicly from a PR standpoint, you know, and getting some more publicity from the uh, two new broadcasting networks and then this black eye worse than a black eye has to come and uh land and you just can't feel anything but sympathy and sorrow for a guy like kyle beach here yeah and uh i know you said the avalanche but obviously i'm you know before anybody else calls you out on it you mean the entire nhl obviously is finally at a place where they're on espn and now this is kind of rocking the world yeah no worries but um yeah it's it sucks. I mean, when so when the information came out Tuesday, when the uh, briefing was announced by the Blackhawks and they went through everything, obviously they fired uh, McIsaac, the last guy left from the uh, leadership group of that year. Uh, Stan Bowman was allowed to step aside rather than get fired, which was a very interesting way to approach it. Um, but it sucks. Today is now Wednesday. It's 6.20 p.m. Uh, just a couple hours ago, Kyle Beach went on TSN and uh, announced that he was John Doe in the court case, in the court uh, briefings. Um, Very strong for him to come out. I was completely okay, as were a lot of people, uh, with the person just being John Doe, and nobody should have had asked him to come out and say who he was or reveal his identity unless he wanted to do it, but he truly did want to do it. And he came out on TSN, talked to Rick Westhead, who has been excellent with this reporting. Uh, Kyle even mentioned that, you know, when uh, when the scandal first came to light in the summer uh, that the Blackhawks were still denying it and pretending it doesn't it wasn't a thing and we're trying to sweep it under the rug. And ultimately, I mean, number one, that's complete bullshit. And Kyle, you know, even said as much, but uh, it's journalists like Rick Westhead, it's journalists like Katie Strang that didn't let the story die. And they kept up with it. Obviously, Chicago media, Marcus, Mark Lazarus and uh, Scott Powers at The Athletic and guys like that. They never let the story die. They made sure that people were held accountable. The uh, the company that was hired to eventually run the investigation was hired from within the organization and uh, obviously announced Tuesday everything that they had found. Um, it's, it's terrible for the hockey world. It's terrible for the NHL. But most importantly, this had to happen. It's terrible that Kyle Beach had to go through something like that. And... Uh, Again, we've we've talked about this many times over the last year and a half. There's been a lot of reasons to say it, but once again, hockey culture is at the forefront of something that needs to change. It's it's no longer keeping it within the room. It's no longer let's keep quiet and discuss it amongst us. These are, these are things that need to come to light. These are things that people need to hear about. And most importantly, these are things that people need to be held accountable for. 
Yeah, I mean, huge, humongous, giant, the biggest one ever. Shout out to Kyle Beach for working up the courage and coming out publicly, right? You know, this stuff has been eating at him for years and years and years. And now over a decade. Yeah. And now that it's all public, you know, it's still on the back of his mind knowing that he's John Doe and there's a a small handful of people know that he is John Doe and he just didn't want that. I guess, pressure of keeping it a secret anymore, right? So, I mean, you just, there's so much bravery. You just got to commend him for that. I think, you know, listening to that interview that he had today, one thing that stood out to me the most was when he said that the uh, NHL and Safe Sport, which Safe Sport is kind of a governing body over all sports, youth sports that kind of make sure this kind of stuff doesn't happen, right? Like if you're Applying to be a hockey coach, you have to take safe sport classes every single year to make sure. So safe sport, safe sport takes this stuff seriously. He said that both NH, the NHL and safe sport neglected to investigate any of this. Even after kind of knowing some of the facts, they didn't want to make a bigger mess of something that was already kind of happening. And it's, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me because that's their job. That's what they're put there to do especially in safe sport literally it's why they're there that's exactly why they're there and it's just that it's a bunch of bullshit it's bad pr let's keep the bad pr and figure it out amongst us and hush hush but it's like no this is not the way the world works and this is certainly not the way the world works in 2021 with social media with the with the voice that people have now uh with the way that people are being held accountable um call it cancel culture call it whatever hocus pocus bullshit phrase you want to call it does not concern me uh it's called accountability and it's it's something that needs to happen more often and and this is a clear case of that kyle beach did not let the story die the journalist reporting on it did not let it die hell kyle beach is a hell of a lot stronger today than he was the day that he first came out because when he first came out with this in the summer as i had just explained People were neglecting the case as a whole. The the Blackhawks were denying it. Uh, people like Joel Quinville, you know, how, how how does it feel to be Kyle and uh, pull up a playoff game and it's, you know, Tampa Bay versus Florida. I don't know if it was during the playoffs. I think it was after that, but whatever. Pull up an interview and it's Joel Quinville sitting there talking about how he had no idea this even happened. And Kyle sitting there on his couch, looking at the TV, straight up listening to this guy lie to him lie to the world, lie to the hockey media, lie to everybody about his involvement in this entire thing. So just things like that, it makes it hard. And eventually when you're not heard, when a victim is not heard, you tend to want to, you know, curl up into a ball and be like, screw this, never mind. I don't even want to go on with this. But the fact that he continued to go on with it shows the strength that he has. And it's it's a hard thing to talk about. Some of the things in that briefing were really tough to read. I went through the entire 38, 39, whatever pages it was, uh, reading through it as did most of the hockey world. Um, and, uh, it shouldn't, it shouldn't this, like this, this kind of stuff should not become, this kind of stuff should not be the norm. And it's hard to kind of talk about, and I'm stumbling a little bit here, but this kind of stuff should not be the norm. Uh, people like Kyle beach shouldn't need to speak out because they shouldn't need to go through things like this. And, uh, it ends here. It stops here. This is the accountability. This is to say that it doesn't matter if your name is Stan Bowman and you're the architect of three Stanley cups. And it doesn't matter if you're Joel Quinville and you have the second most or whatever wins in NHL coaching history. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are going to partake in anything like this, you will be held accountable and you should be. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to dive in there in what you just said. Uh, I mean, I think 
I don't know if you followed what's going on with Dave Chappelle and Netflix, right? And he had to come out and kind of kind of backtrack a little bit on some of his jokes made towards the transgender community. But he said straight out that his problem wasn't with them. He's not trying to make jokes to make fun of them. His issue right now is more with corporate greed or something along those lines, corporate control, right? And that's kind of what you're seeing here. Like I said earlier, it's a, a black eye on the sport. It's a black eye on the league, right? As they're gaining this newfound popularity and this newfound coverage. But then you kind of backtrack and you're like, well, this is probably why the NHL was so, trying so hard to sweep it under the rug. They didn't want their new purchasers, their new you know, company that's coming to broadcast and grow the game and help them make money. They didn't want them to back out. And many of the sponsors, yeah, and the sponsors that come with it. Yeah, absolutely. This was at that time. So, yeah, that's just kind of what, what's making me mad is that's, again, that bullshit corporate control that is what's running things rather than taking care of someone and their well-being. And you're seeing this in all sports, right? Isn't this a big scandal in gymnastics as well right now? And, you know, it has it's it's yep. going on everywhere and it's it's happened a lot in the past and it's probably still happening today. And that seems to be, to me, to be the precedence here. But other people apparently find, you know, dollar bills to be what really matters and championship trophies and what have you. Look, in the end, there's a reason why we're starting with this. In the end, hockey's a sport, and we watch it for entertainment, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I'm very much aware that this passion of mine is to talk about a game and talk about a part of life that doesn't really matter. I'm not out here. I mean, and it does it does provide a lot of happiness to a lot of people. And it does for me, and it has my entire freaking life. I love this game. I love this sport. I love watching it. I love how a uh, Nathan McKinnon goal and a generation ago, a Peter Forsberg or Joe Sackett goal could completely change the outlook of my day. And I understand that. And it's, it's a great feeling to be a sports fan. But in the grand scheme of things in this world, sports don't matter when compared to the life, the feelings, the hurt, the mental strength, uh, the mental health of an individual. Uh, and, and that's what we saw here was there was a meeting on May 23rd, 2010 that involved leadership, that involved McIsaac and, and, and McDonough and uh, Bowman and Quenville. And the conclusion that they came to was, we're so close to winning a Stanley Cup. So let's just pretend this isn't happening and ignore it. And we'll get to it later, which they didn't. And now he's so close to an undefeated season and he's probably not yeah. going to see uh, another game, I'd hope, and, after tonight. Yeah, and he's behind the bench right now as we're recording. Florida's playing, uh, who are they playing? Boston. Boston, thank you. It didn't even matter to me. But they're playing Boston and I think they're up 2-1 to one, and Joel Quinville's behind the bench and uh, their Twitter's taking a beating and God bless the person running the Twitter because it's not their fault. And I feel for Florida fan Panthers fans because they're finally a good team and they're finally going to have something, but they know deep inside that they too cannot continue with Joel Quinville as their coach. And by the time we publish this, hell, he might already even already be gone by the time you're listening to this. Uh, and same goes for Kevin Shoveldayoff in Winnipeg. Granted, Shoveldayoff looks like he told the truth and uh, what was written in the court briefings kind of match his statements from earlier, but I might've missed, you know, one or two of his quotes. I will also say uh, that I do want to shout out Mark Bergevin because if you remember during the Stanley Cup final, Mark came out to the media with 
you know how Mark, he has that confidence, that arrogance to him, that my tight biceps, t-shirt. yeah, the, t- the tight t-shirt, my biceps are bigger than all of Colorado. Like, and he came into the media and he said, um, I had no part in it. I had nothing to do with it. And you can write that as your headline or something along those lines. He, he wanted nothing to do with that story. He said, don't even try to, you know, paint me in this picture. And one of two people do that pathological liars or people that absolutely did not do so-and-so. I once had a personal story of mine. I once had a former supervisor and I worked in a place where I had a staff of 15 to 20 people working under me, mostly, mostly girls, uh, you know, in the fitness industry too. So girls that are fit. And uh, my supervisor came to me and said, there's a rumor going around that you've been going uh, clubbing and drinking with three or four of your workers, which is very much against the rules. And instantly my face turned straight and I shot it down so fast with more arrogance and confidence than Mark Bergevin did. Because as you know, I don't even drink. I've never been to a bar in my life. I've never been to a club in my life. I don't drink. I've never had a sip of alcohol in my life. So one of two people are going to respond the way that Bergevin did, the way that I did. Either if you're a pathological liar or if you know so damn well that what is being said and what is being asked is not the truth, that you are going to shut it down instantly. And that's what Mark Bergevin did. And I applaud him for it because he did not partake in this. And so, or so that's what we're led to believe. That's what the briefings have shown. And if that's the case, then kudos to him because he is, he is an honorable person from that from that core that had nothing to do with this. And if he did have anything to do with it, if he did hear about it, maybe things would have been different. Maybe he would have spoken up or maybe he would have swept it under the rug like everything else. We don't know. We can't assume because he was not a part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's just tough to talk about this stuff. And I kind of, obviously it's important. So we have to dedicate some time and definitely dedicate some time to acknowledging Kyle Beach's strength here. But, you know, I, I definitely don't, like talking for 15 minutes on this kind of stuff so no yeah it's it's tough it's we're not here to talk about these you know just same thing that we went through in 2020 when black lives matter was was brought to the light and all the things that were happening around the world it's it's not why we're here but we're humans before we're hockey podcasters and we're going to talk about the human element of things first even though it's hard but we do want to get to some hockey here not to you know close up or, or, or pretend that this is not relevant. I wish we can talk about this for hours. It's just really right. Tough and to it, do. It, it's screwed up. We can all agree. It's disgusting. And it's just a damn shame that this is going on to anyone at all, let alone the hockey world. Just the fact that a human being has to go through this and live the rest of his life with that on his mind. You know, I, I have nothing but sympathy in my heart definitely genuinely goes out to Kyle beach. Yeah. And I'll close it off with saying this, uh, Scratch that fucker's name off the cup. He's on there for 2010. Get his name off. He doesn't and and don't melt it off or or you know remove it in a way where it looks like it wasn't there. Do what the NHL has done in the past and X through it with small X's all the way through. So that when a nine or ten year old kid goes into the hockey hall of fame and goes, Hey, sir, excuse me, person that works here, why is this name scratched off? We can explain to him why it was scratched off to set that example for the future generations to set the example, obviously you don't want to go into detail for a nine or 10 year old, but to set examples for anybody that asks to say, this name is scratched off because this person was held accountable. Let that be known. I didn't realize, I didn't realize that there were already some people scratched off. I didn't know. I that think there was one name in the past, in the past that was, from 
I have some Googling to do. Yeah, there was one name in the past I was reading I was reading about it the other day, and it was, I, I forget who it was. It was, you know, just something I saw in passing, but it was, their name was scratched off with like multiple X's just over each letter. And it's just there forever. Interesting, interesting stuff. Well, I've got something positive to talk about, Arif. I don't know if you noticed at the beginning of our show, but we have a new sponsor on board, and that's Total Beverage. So welcome on Total Beverage. We're super excited to have you here on the Hockey Mountain Podcast. Everybody already knows Total Beverage, though, I'm pretty sure. One in Westminster and one in Thornton, right? Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know that they also deliver? Did you know that they also have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? I love that idea. I'm a big wine guy. I'm Spanish. I have to be. If you didn't know that, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBeverage.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Super excited for those guys. Total Beverage is a great spot. And it was totally by accident that we got them <laughs> as a sponsor and mentioned it about three minutes and 24 seconds after I stated for the first time publicly on this podcast that I don't drink. But shout out to Total Beverage. We love you guys. I know a lot of people that drink and I know a lot of people who know a lot of people that drink and we're going to get the word out for our newest sponsor. Yeah. I mean, I'll be there to check out their wine selection. I'm, I'm picky though. They better have a, a sharp Spanish corner. You know, it's up in Thornton. I'm, I'll make the drive. I'm down in Littleton, but you know, I'll do anything for our new sponsors and I want to check out their wine selection. Shoot. I probably should just jump on their website, totalbev.com. It's probably a good way to check them all out. That's, that's yeah. And you can buy a drink and I can buy you a drink and together we can watch you drink and watch hockey. <laughs> Yeah, we all drink enough wine for the both of us, Arif. Um, let's get into the Colorado Avalanche. Of course, a 3-1 to one loss last night against the Vegas Golden Knights. Not exactly a loss we all saw coming, right? I mean, we've seen the Avalanche struggle. We've seen the Avalanche come out of the gate a bit weak, but Vegas was too. So, you know, I think I'm not alone when I can say that I was feeling good about this game. I said, here's their chance, their chance to kind of rebound. They're at home. Vegas is struggling. You know how much I think Robin Leonard stinks, and they could only get one goal past him. Yeah, you just beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. You're two and three. You have a chance. Who I think also stinks, by the way. They're, they're, they went on and lost to Buffalo yeah, the next night. Yeah, and then night. they defeated, uh, who did they defeat handily the very next day? They scored a lot of goals, too. Uh, I hate that I, I've just been so caught up in the Chicago story. I haven't looked at a lot of hockey scores, but yeah, Tampa Bay finally did win their game. Pittsburgh last Pittsburgh, night. yes, thank you. They they finally handed Pittsburgh their first loss in regulation. The Pens are 3-1-2 and two without all the people missing from their lineup, which is crazy. Um, shout out to Mike Sullivan, great coach. But and yeah. Tr- Tristan Jari, who we thought was garbage. Yeah, look at that. He's already he resurrected better. Himself. He's, already, he's already better than Jordan Bennington. <laughs> to all our new listeners, that's a running joke. I'm not a fan of Bennington, like many of you probably aren't too. But um but yeah, so the Avalanche finally, you know, they won a game and it was against a big name, a big name team, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Obviously, the Lightning have had a slow start. The Avalanche have had a slow start. The Golden Knights have had a slow start. But it's still early enough in the season where beating a team like that means something. If you're the Vegas Golden Knights and you've lost four straight games by multiple goals, by the way, for all my puck liners out there, the Vegas Golden Knights four game winning streak were all by two or more goals. To come in and beat the Avalanche will make you feel good. But here's a problem. The Avalanche just beat the Lightning. They improved to two and three. They had a chance to beat the Golden Knights and go to three and three and say, you know what? The first four games were a bit of a weird wash. Like that three game losing streak after beating Chicago was was not us. 
We just beat the Tampa Bay Lightning that won the Stanley Cup and the Vegas Golden Knights that eliminated us in the playoffs. We're back. But they didn't. So now they have to dig out of an even bigger hole. They're back to two games below 500. They're back to trying to figure out what they need to do to kind of right the wrong that has been the early part of the season. It seems like on some days, some things are clicking. On some days, other things are clicking. On neither of those days is the power play clicking. But eventually, you need everything clicking all at once. And it's got to come here soon because we're getting further and further into the season. Is it time to panic? I don't think so. But it is time to be a little bit concerned, like Jared Bednar said after the game on Tuesday. There's one key word that stood out to me that you're using right now, and that's clicking. And the reason that it stands out is because I think that's exactly what's going on when you're watching this team, right? It doesn't look smooth. It doesn't look like they're on the same page. And for me, that's kind of what gives me a little bit of hope is that just sounds like a team that's getting to know each other still. Those are the growing pains of a team that has adjusted a couple things in the offseason and, you know, has some big holes to fill and they're trying to learn how to fill it. So it's a process and they're learning how to go about it. And, you know, the, the mistakes and the errors I'm seeing don't strike me as ones that are unsolvable. There's they're ones that seem to be solving themselves slowly as the season progresses and as we, you know, get game by game and learn through errors and coaching. Well, you're not going to let in a shorthanded goal every game where Kel McCarr and JT Comfer fumble the puck at the blue line. You're not going to have a 9.1% power play in every six game stretch of the season. These things are going to change. A 9.1% power play. Are you kidding? Add 10% to that. Bring it up to 19. Double it. Bring it up to 18 and you have two or three or four more goals and you've won one or two more games and suddenly you're three and three or four and two or maybe four, one and one or three, one and three, two and one or whatever. Fact of the matter is you're a hell of a lot better than two and four. So it is a little bit of a reason for concern. That's very much, you know, a thing. It's the same thing the Golden Knights are feeling because by the way, the Vegas Golden Knights beating the Avalanche had them improve their record to two and four. They have the same record as the Avs, except they're going into game number seven of their season coming off of a victory. But Jared Bednar kind of said it well after the game. He was very straightforward. He said, uh, terrible start standing around. That's what it looked like. He was visibly frustrated. He didn't do that Jared Bednar thing where he's very nice. He straight up said it. it was a terrible start. We were standing around. That's what it looked like. We weren't prepared to start the game on time. And my favorite quote, we're sort of stumbling and bumbling along right now. So there is a level of concern. Stumbling and bumbling. You don't hear that all the time, but the avalanche are stumbling and bumbling. Unless it's and from Chris Berman. Stumbling, bumbling to the end zone. <laughs> Tom Brady with his sex. Yeah. The avalanche are stumbling and bumbling and Jared Bednar is is there is there is finally concern it's no longer we'll figure it out it's no 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 we're concerned we need to fix this and how do you fix it somebody in the media asked Jared and he said doing the same things we do every day we come to the rink figure out what we did wrong and figure out how to fix it but then you come in the next day and Kel McCarr has another bad game and uh, Nathan McKinnon is uh you know quiet for parts of the game in in a way that we haven't seen in four or five years and and guys like Andre Burakovsky are just having a bad start to the season which is another thing Bednar said today Wednesday he said just bad start he's not been well he needs to be better um these are not things that are going to continue these are not things that are on the coach but there are some things that need to change and the avalanche have to find a way to like you said figure out what clicks and and how to make it click because right now they are stumbling and bumbling along. I think Jared Bednar's frustration is a little bit alarming because of exactly what you said. That's just not who he is as a coach. We've seen him get visibly frustrated maybe one other time. Do you remember when that was? I think it was after game four 
against Vegas, right, when Vegas tied it 2-2, and Jared Bednar was angry, and it almost just seemed like he threw his hands up and said, I don't, how do I reach these kids, right? How do I get these guys to do what I tell them to? It wasn't even game four. It was game three. The Avalanche had a two to nothing lead in game three, gave it up late, or two to one lead in game three, gave it up late, lost the game late, and he came out, first playoff loss, 11 game winning streak dating back to the regular season snapped, and he came out and said, this is not good enough. And if you're going to play like this, you're not going to win. And he was right. Yeah. He couldn't figure out a way to get out of it. Exactly. We know how the rest of that series ended. So for him to be doing that this early, you know, obviously I know he's not throwing his hands up and saying, I give up. I don't know what to do anymore. But to see him just visibly pissed off, um, either, you know, hopefully it sends the same message to the players, right? And they say, holy cow, we're making this guy who never gets mad at anything mad. Like, let, let's kick it into gear here. Um, so hopefully it's a yeah. message received. But yeah, I, I just don't want to see him losing his patience too much more this season um if at all if if preventable yeah and and i don't think he will the cool thing about jared is let's compare him to someone like tortorella tortorella is a great coach and we know that but when you have a bad season you have if it's an 82 game season and you know like columbus last year 56 game season nothing went right you have 56 different versions of a pissed off tortorella coming to you every single day and that doesn't even include practice days because he's pissed off on those days too and it gets exhausting it's exhausting for the players it's exhausting for the fans that have to read the quotes it's exhausting for the media that has to listen to tortorella walk out on them it's exhausting for the pr people that are like oh my god can this guy give us something to work with to put on the website it's exhausting for everybody when you're someone like Jared that does it sporadically, it means something. When Jared is upset and you get into the locker room and you're the players and you're looking at each other going, we pissed off the guy that never gets pissed off. We need to wake up and we need to change things. So that's what I like about when Jared does this. As long as it doesn't become a habit, this isn't Patrick Law raging every other game. This is Jared Bednar that only does it when he truly means it because he is very thick skinned and it takes a while to get to him. But when you do, you know you've screwed up. And right now what he's trying to tell his team is we need to be better. And he echoed those sentiments today at practice again. They, they, it's simply that. They need to be better. And it's even Jared himself knows he himself needs to be better behind the bench. Yeah, I mean, with a guy that holds that many people accountable, you know he puts a lot of pressure on himself as well. And you know he's hearing some whispers start up and... You know, he's not immune to that stuff. So, you know, I, I just hope it all calms down. It all figures itself out because I just think... I'm of of the belief Jared Bednar's a good coach. I know I'm starting to see a lot more people out there call for uh, perhaps his job. So um, I think he does a great job, and I think he's going to continue to get to work and make the guys get to work and should right the ship. I mean, maybe if, if he doesn't and the year goes along just like this, then then it's something to talk about. But I think I think he's the guy for the job, and I'd hate to see it go any other direction than that. No, you don't fire Jared. I, I don't even entertain those comments when I see them. Jared is one of the best young coaches in the NHL. If you fire him, other teams will fire their coaches to hire him. Uh, if John Cooper can make it past getting swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets after a 62-win season in 2019, then Jared Bednar can get past whatever the hell the Avalanche are going through right now. And if the Avalanche got swept in the first round this year, you still don't fire him. I don't care what anybody says. John Cooper took over the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2013. They made the Western Conference Final. They made the Stanley Cup Final in 15. They made the Western, the, sorry, the Eastern Conference Final in 16. They missed the playoffs in 2017, and he still stuck around. And they came back with a stronger 2018. And they made this. They had the 62 win season in 2019, and they got swept by the Blue Jackets. And he still stuck around. And then he won two cups. 
He didn't get one chance or two chances or three chances. He got four, five, six because the Lightning knew they had a good coach. The Lightning knew if they got rid of Cooper, somebody else would have scooped him up almost immediately. And that's what you have with Jared Bednar. And that's that's my opinion. Some people I know are going a little crazy about now it's the time to fire Jared. I'm not there and I'm not going to be there for a while if I even get there. Another thing I think people have been going a little crazy about in the last couple of weeks, and you know, we haven't even given it the time of day on our podcast because I, I really don't like doing so, and that's pointing the finger at the referees, right? But it, it, sometimes it gets to a point where you just kind of have to talk about it, and I'm referring to the Jack Johnson hit yesterday, right, where he gets a game misconduct and didn't exactly seem like a very egregious hit to me. So let's get into the hit. What were your thoughts on the call? And uh, they even reviewed it, did they not? Five minute major for interference. I've never seen that in my life. I don't know to even know how to even begin to search to see if that's ever been called in the NHL. But here's the way that I saw it. It was not a reckless play. Was it an interference? Yes. The puck went by Colasar and he didn't touch it. Jack, as he said today, after practice Wednesday, we finally got to ask him about it. He said, I tried to time the hit perfectly, but I guess I was off by a little bit. But what he said is exactly true. It was a suicide pass. It was a pass to a player looking the other way, eyeing down the pass, eyeing down the puck, and he got lit up for it. Did Jack hit him up high? No. Did he get him in the head? No. He got him shoulder to chest. He didn't leave his feet. He didn't jump into the hit. He didn't charge. The only way you call an interference call, in my opinion, a five-minute major, is if it was reckless. And in order for it to be reckless, you either need to hit him in the head, and then at that point, you call it for you know a legal check to the head, or you need to charge, which at that point, you call it a charge. A five-minute major for interference makes no sense. When they went to review it, I love what Dave Jackson, shout out to Dave. I love what he said on ESPN because I went back and watched it. He was in the press box doing the game live, obviously, because it was in Denver. But he said, when the refs first saw the call, this is during the review. He said, when the refs first saw the call, understandably so, it looked a little reckless in person. You think Colasar's hurt. You maybe think it hit him in the head. Uh, and Colasar's on the ice and not getting up. So you call it a major and then you go review. And then he said something like, but once they see that it wasn't a reckless hit and once they see it didn't hit him in the head and once they see that Colasar is not injured, uh, they can you know wipe it down to a two-minute minor. You can't wipe it off completely. Once a call is made, you have to call something. But yeah, they're going to bring it down to a two minutes, Dave Jackson said. And then the refs did not bring it down to a two minutes. And then Dave kind of had to backpedal a little bit. Like, yeah, you know, they they thought it was reckless, whatever. You can hear him start to stumbling and bumbling over his words because he didn't know what to say at that point. But it was it was bad. That's my opinion. Some Avalanche players had opinions too. But what did you think? Well, real quick, I was thinking this the other day when I was watching football, how weird it is that referees can throw a flag and then later go get it and say, no, there's actually no foul on the I play. I love it. I love that. <laughs> My bad. Oopsies. You it's, see it in the NHL all the time. Yeah. It's, it's uh, two minute minor for tripping. And then you check the penalty and it turns out to be Sam Gerard's stick that trips Kale McCarr. And then you look at the other team and go, My bad. My bad. I didn't notice it was his own defenseman. But no, instead, when they're mic'd up, you have to hear a ref go to the player and be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Eh? I didn't mean to call that minor. Eh? But I'm, you know, I'm sorry. The game is really fast. But it's like, we should be able to bring this back. No disrespect to my fellow Canadians. I am Canadian, so it's fun to make fun of the accent sometimes. But we should be able to to, to pick up that flag, to have the ref turn on his microphone that rarely works and say, no penalty on the call, <laughs> face off at center ice, let's continue. Like, that should be a thing. Yeah, and then it looks a lot worse, too, when the 
the scuffle happens after any hit, right? I mean, you look at the Braden Shen hit at, on Nazem Kadri, and it's just as hard of a hit. It's just as clean, in my opinion, of a hit. Um, but nobody laid on the ice. Nobody got up and started a fight. So everybody just moved on and kept playing hockey. So I think that adds to the drama. It's like when soccer players fall to the ground and just lay there for five minutes and try to sell the fact that they are, in fact, injured. You know, I'm not accusing Kolasar of doing that, but when you have that whole scene erupt after a hit like that, naturally to the referee, they're going to think it's a lot worse. So, um, you know, I'm not saying there's a solution here. Obviously, you can't clean that up, but that's that's the problem, in my opinion. Yeah, and shout out to Jack Johnson, by the way. Uh, he is easily the nicest person I've ever spoken with. And I know we do that all the time. Whenever a hockey player retires, it's like the best guy, the nicest guy. Like, no, Jack Johnson is legitimately the nicest guy I've ever talked to. He's just so humble down to earth. We talked about what he was talking about. You know, the, the funny story he told us about his daughter and his, his wife when he signed the contract with the Avs. But he came out today, Wednesday, after practice. And, you know, it was just myself and Mike Chambers of the Denver Post. And we kind of peppered him on the on the, the hit. What happened? What did you think? And, you know, first quote, he said, you know, as well as I do that, I can't give you my honest opinion on the call. Then he said, uh, I thought it was a suicide pass, to be quite frankly. I thought I tried to time it as best as I could. And I and and just finished the play at the blue line. That's about all I can offer you. And then at the very end of his uh, thing, he said, uh, and my favorite quote, he said, again, unfortunately, because again, we tried to, you know, get something out of him just a little bit differently every single time. He said, again, I unfortunately, and then he like paused and said, I like to give you guys honesty and answers, and I can't give you my honest opinion on the matter. And I apologize for that. What little he said, said a lot. He wasn't happy with the call. Jared Bednar wasn't happy with the call. Neither was the captain. We'll get into that here in a sec. But just what are your thoughts on Jack? Yeah, I mean, when a, a guy like that who wants to be down to earth, like you're saying, and he can't even express his own opinion, I think that tells you everything you need to know. I'm fine with him not expressing his opinion because he kind of did so in doing so, right? So Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Now he, now he avoids the fine, but still gets the message across that this is bull. Crap. It's kind of kind of the same route Landeskog took after his hit too, right? Yeah. When when he returned from suspension, he's like, well, "Yeah, I can't talk about that." Yeah. Or he said, and, oh, "We'll save it for a later day, right? Maybe a book one day." Yeah, and 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 that to me is uh, it shows that the Avalanche are getting frustrated. You know, Sam Gerrard ate a hit from Steven Stamkos that knocked him out, and he didn't get suspended. I mean, obviously Jack Johnson didn't get suspended; he didn't even get a hearing. But Stamkos didn't even get a penalty on a play that could have, you know, changed the outlook of that game. I mean, obviously the Avalanche wanted the shootout, but a r overtime win helped to in the standings more than a shootout. Man. Maybe a power play, maybe a goal there. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But let's get into Gabe Landeskog because he was the most visibly frustrated. So we're going to play this clip for you right now. And it's going to kind of explain what happened uh, when I asked Gabe Landeskog about the hit. What was that conversation like with the ref when they made that call for Jack Johnson's major? Just what was their reasoning behind it, and just what are your thoughts on it? What did you think of it? I'd like your opinion. They gave him five minutes and gain for interference. Looked to me like Olsar had the puck, and it was about as clean of a hit as you can make them, but. It is what it is, you know. Um, we can't control the refs, and 
you know, they make the judgment. That's that. I'm not allowed to say much more. So, yeah. So basically what you heard there is I asked Gabe Landeskog, you know, just what he thought about the hit. And he looked me dead in the eyes. And it's kind of hard to really get an idea of what it felt like because the tension in the room was so strong. It was like a courtroom drama. He looked me dead in the eyes and said, what did you think of the hit? And he like paused and stared at me with his eyes wide oh, open, no. waiting for an answer, as you just heard in the clip. Like he was waiting for me to answer. So you're just in there like, oh, please don't throw me in the wall. Yeah. And I'm just like <laughs> sitting there like, wait, it wasn't a it wasn't a uh, rhetorical question. This dude is legitimately waiting for me to answer the question. So there was that pause. Mind you, just to kind of set the scene, the media room is packed. There is a whole bunch of media in there because it's an ESPN game, whole bunch of altitude guys, Denver Post, Peter Baugh, Kate Shafty, everybody, all the avalanche people, everybody's in there. And uh, what did you think of the hit? And he just paused. So I, you know, waited one or two seconds, thought he was going to continue. And then I said, I'd, I'd like your opinion. And I kind of had like a nervous laughter as I said the word opinion. I was like, I, I'd, I'd like your opinion. <laughs> and he went off. He said, you give him five minutes a game and an, for an interference. It looked to me like Colsar had the puck and it was about as clean a hit as you can make them. But it is what it is. It is what it is. We can't control the refs. You know, they make the judgment. That's not allowed, blah, 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 blah. But first of all, when he explained the play, he was visibly upset. You give him five minutes in a game for an interference. Uh, it was about as clean a hit as, obviously it wasn't a clean hit. Like Jack just missed the mark by a little bit because the puck went past Colsar, even though it looked like he touched it. But from Landis Gog's vantage point, it looked like he touched it. And he said, it's about as clean a hit as you can have, which I do agree, by the way. If Colsar has the puck, that was as clean a hit as I've ever seen. Like it wasn't reckless enough to even call a minor, in my opinion. So for it to be a major was just wacky. But the Landis Gog thing was just so intense. And after he left, because that was the last question he took, because you know damn well nobody in the media room was going to ask him a question after that. And uh, I kind of like he left and I kind of like <sighs> exhaled like, what the hell just happened? And everybody looked at me like, you handled that well. Good job. Like if you're in the media, and I've only been in this for two years, and Landis Gog looks you dead in the eye, and I'm sitting in the front row and goes, what did you think of the hit? Like, what do you expect me to do? I thought it was bullshit, Gabe. What do you think? Like, what do you expect me to say? <laughs> I just like, as of the pause, which lasted two seconds, went on, which felt like a year, I'm just sitting there like, this dude's actually waiting for me to answer. Why the hell do you care about my opinion, dude? <laughs> like, it was, it was just, uh, it was one of the most surreal things I've ever experienced. Uh, but it goes to show just how angry and upset Gabe is. And I'm sure the next time I see Gabe, he's going to give me like a, a, hey, hey, hello, I'm, I'm the nicest guy in the world, which, you know, he can be. But that was a really interesting experience, I will say. Yeah. And, you know, he expected that question to come, right? It's just, I think yep. sometimes they just really hate being asked a certain question, even though they know it's coming. But no, I mean, I, I love the story about the media kind of having your back. And, you know, if they could, they would have given you pats on the butt. Yeah. And I was getting, exactly. If it was a locker room, you would have gotten a little, oh yeah, great job there. Hey, I'm a good Maybe job, even boys. a towel whip. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the game helmet or the game keychain or the game <laughs> guitar or the game Broadway hat from the Rangers, you know, something like that. The game WWE belt, whatever it is that they hand out. But uh, there were people were texting me afterwards, like, great job handling that. And I'm just like, I just literally stayed quiet and stared back at him. Like, <laughs> but, you know, the, it was it was a very interesting uh, it was a very interesting experience. But, you know, 
it just goes to show that the avalanche, I mean, Gabe was 100% expecting the question and, you know, so was Jack Johnson today when we spoke to him, but it was just a terrible call. Like that's, there's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It was just a bad call. Yeah. And it, it sucks for him that he can't express that too, the way he wants to, right? I mean, he could probably pull a Jack Johnson and say, well, I'm not allowed to express my opinion if he really wanted to, but you'd wish he could come out and say, it sucked. It was a terrible call. I, I don't I don't really understand the protection of the refs sometimes, but I guess it's necessary. Yeah. So it is what it is. I, I still personally believe that refs and officials should talk after the game, like the end they do in the NBA, especially the last five minutes. They're, they kind of release this thing like, yeah, we made a call on LeBron with 44 seconds left. It was actually wrong. My bad. Like you don't get that from the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but it's it's protecting them. It's Something that, you know, like many things in the hockey world, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, it's one of those things that probably needs to change. And then back to kind of what started this whole conversation, right? I don't really like the referees as an excuse because, you know, first of all, referees all kind of, they just suck. It's their nature, right? It's yeah. what you have no to be to be a ref. a referee. Exactly. And, you know, you know, I, I, this really hit me too during the Avs-Tampa Bay game the other day when there was a bad call made against Tampa Bay and John Cooper's sitting there with this look on his face like again like you guys have been so bad all year so you know the avalanche aren't the only ones going through it and you know you just kind of have to expect that behavior from a referee I guess yeah exactly and you know I it goes back to that story that I wrote about Jordan Samuels Thomas during the preseason the official that's trying to be the first you know Mm full-time black official in the NHL at some point he's in the A right now and uh, when I walked into the official's room, that story that I told, all the other officials looked at Jordan and said, embrace it and enjoy the moment because this is the one not, one time the media is ever going to like you. This is the one time <laughs> anybody's ever going to like you and come in and Anybody. talk to you with a smile on your face. That's just, that's the name of the game, man. If you're an official, you're, you're, you're asking for it. If you got one more eye, he'd be a Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, until you retire and, uh, get into being a lender and you know helping people buy houses, then you like him again. Yep, absolutely. Shout out Dave Jackson. We're, we're almost there for you, aren't we, Arif? Um, we're getting before there. Before we get into uh, what's got to change to right the ship here, I got to tell you guys about DraftKings, of course, and NFL fans out there. If you're hungry for a big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code MHS. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. If you're still a new customer for DraftKings, what the hell are you doing? Get on there and get some action in. Yeah, and let's talk about how we can make some money together because you know I'm all about that action. I've got tonight the Panthers parlayed with... Who else? Looks like you're... I forgot. This guy throws so much money around. He doesn't even remember the bets he takes. Uh, I'm, I'm on a cold streak, Arif. I was hot last week. I'm cold again, but that's the way it goes. Ebbs and flows. 
I certainly hope you don't got the Capitals because they were up two nothing on I the Wings and I was two two. I'm good. Uh, but moving on, what's yeah. got to right the ship? Obviously, like you said today at uh, Wednesday's practice, you and Mike Chambers were the only two really watching. So give us a scoop. Their new lines today. What are they doing differently to try to uh, make this thing work? I should have done the research beforehand, but shout out to the guy that tweeted me a couple days ago or, you know, earlier in the week or late last week saying, I got a hot take for you. How about Logan O'Connor in the top six? And I kind of was like, eh, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him get an opportunity on the top power play in that bumper position. But lo and behold, top line, Burakovsky, McKinnon, Rantanen, line two, Landeskog, Kadri, Logan, O'Freakin' Connor, third line. There's a little bit of an asterisk here. Jacob McDonald was playing left wing, you know, the defenseman, with Comfer and Ranta, but that's because Tyson Jost was taking a maintenance day, so he was just filling in. It's ultimately Jost, Comfer, Ranta, and then Helm, Megna, Kalt. So here's kind of the things that Jared said. Logan O'Connor absolutely deserves the opportunity. He has been the hardest worker. He's, you know, went on and on to rave about Logan, as you and I have done, especially me, so many times on this podcast for the last you know, two weeks since the regular season started two weeks ago today, which is crazy to think. Um, he absolutely deserved the opportunity. Landeskog and O'Connor, Jared said, it gives a second line an element it's been missing since Nichushkin was healthy. And uh, when I asked him about Andre Burakovsky and his season so far, he not good enough. And it's for all the reasons I just explained. And he went on to explain all those reasons again. And it's ultimately they're putting Burakovsky with Ranton and McKinnon to try to jumpstart a season. Uh, Jared said he's played better, you know, he's played good with 96 and 29 in the past. Maybe he can again. And, you know, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Berkey obviously hit the post yesterday, hit the crossbar yesterday. He beat Leonard and hit the, hit the iron, clanged it. So, but the second line I like, cause Landis got Kadri and O'Connor. O'Connor's been kind of a nutcase this entire season, getting into everybody's face, trying to fight everybody, doing that same thing Bowen Byram's doing, and he may be the most level-headed guy on that line. <laughs> that line is going to, with 91 and 92, that line is going to bully teams. I'm so excited to see it. And and if Logan O'Connor can develop an offensive game, well, remember how I was complaining that the Avalanche should have traded for Connor Garland? Well, now you've got your very own version of that, and you've locked him up for $1 million over the next you know two to three years. So shout out to LOC. He deserves the opportunity, and I can't wait to see what he does with it. Yeah, I like that point. You, you want a little bit of a bruiser line here, right? I mean, if the Avalanche are getting accused of being soft year in and year out, well, let's put a line together that's not going to be soft and really going to bang some teams up. Um, yeah, and it's no surprise, right? We've known how they feel about Logan O'Connor since last year. Since, since signing him the first time. Yeah, exactly. So such a Jared Bednar move to say, this guy's been working hard. He deserves an opportunity. Maybe it sends a message to the rest of the guys. Hey, you just keep working hard and start doing some things right. You'll see some improvement in your depth spot as well. Um, I also, you know, I love this. The Burakowski-McKinnon combination. I love that and I always have ever since I first saw them together. So I'm excited for what that brings. Sometimes it's kind of a dud. That's why they haven't stayed together. Um, but at sometimes it's magical and it reminds me of, uh, you know, the but, old Duchesne O'Reilly combination. Yeah. And you know what the great thing about it is? This isn't an EA Sports game where you have to press pause, go to edit lines and switch Burakovsky and Landeskog. No, you're Jared Bender. You're behind the bench. Burakovsky, Ranton and McKinnon have a few bad shifts. You send them out with 92 the next shift. Doesn't t- it's not that hard. The Avalanche are going to have pretty much six lines against the St. Louis Blues because they're going to have the four that I just listed. They're also going to have Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen. They're also going to have Kadri with uh, Burakovsky and insert third player here being O'Connor for now. So 
there's going to be multiple line combinations that Jared sends over the boards, and one of them will be Landeskog, McKinnon, and Ranton. And if there's a you know a long shift because Comfer and Jost and Ranta bust their asses off in the offensive zone and really pin the St. Louis Blues deep into their zone, and the Blues ice the puck, and now they're screwed. Yeah, let's send out Landeskog, McKinnon, and Ranton. And all right, top line, go out there and have some fun. Let's get a goal here. Win a faceoff, Gabe, because Gabe always takes faceoffs at one of the circles. And let's get a goal here. So there will be multiple combinations thrown out there. Um, you're also going up against a team where Ryan O'Reilly and Brandon Saad, uh, two very familiar names around here, are both on COVID protocol. That could change between now and Thursday. But if that doesn't, especially for O'Reilly, I don't think he's playing for sure. I think Saad is still up in the air. Uh, you basically get your revenge on St. Louis when they came here and you had McKinnon on COVID, Jack Johnson on COVID, and Gabe Landeskog serving a suspension. So now you kind of get to do that back, but you got to capitalize on that. You just played a Vegas team without Max Pacioretty, who scores 1.5 goals every single time he plays the Avalanche. He's good for a goal or two. Uh, you got to take advantage, especially if both Sada and O'Reilly are out. You got to win that game on Thursday. Yeah, and speaking of capitalizing, I think the Minnesota game on Saturday is going to be a great opportunity for two reasons. A, the Minnesota power or the Minnesota penalty kill sucks. It's one of the worst in the league right now. And why is that good? Because the Avalanche power play also sucks. So to get that, you know, get that power play going a little bit and maybe even get a win if they could just get a few power play opportunities and get McKinnon a couple of goals here, really take that monkey off his chest. Um, you know, I think you have an opportunity to steal another win here and, and you know, rectify things. So, um, yeah, you got to capitalize two games, two opportunities. And if you could just draw, draw some penalties against Minnesota, I think you'll be sitting pretty. Monkey on his chest. That's a new one. I've Is heard that of not monkey it? on the back. I've heard of monkey. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen it, Matt Duchesne it, score. Man. I've seen Matt Duchesne score a goal and pull an invisible monkey <laughs> off of his back one time. And coincidentally, I think it was against the Predators when he was with the Avs. But what did yeah, you no, say I, about I, eight balls? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, magic. I didn't say magic eight balls. I said something else. It was really bad, but it was about, it was just terrible. Yeah. We you you meant moments. to say throwing a curveball, and you said throwing an eight ball. Oh, Adam. yes, <laughs> yes. Throw, throwing an eight ball. We that's suck at sayings was. here. <laughs> Imagine throwing an eight ball at someone. You're going to be in protocol pretty quick, concussion <laughs> protocol. Um, Maybe even drug protocol too. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me go back to what we were talking about. Yeah, you you want to get your power play back up and running. This is the most mind-boggling stat. The 9.1% on the power play is the third worst in the NHL and not the worst. But what's crazy is the Montreal Canadiens are right below them at 8.7. You want to know who's dead last? And they're playing right now, so it could change by the time you hear this. It's the team the Avalanche just played. It's the Vegas Golden Knights. They have not scored a power play goal yet this season. They've got zero. They're just 0.0. And they beat the Avalanche because they had a shorthanded goal. (laughs) <laughs> like it's it's bad and that's why the avalanche killed off the three minutes that uh, jack johnson had to serve after the four on four uh that's why they killed it off so handily because the vegas yeah. power play like literally couldn't do anything because they've just been terrible this year and you know not having patch ready and stone certainly plays a part in that so yeah if you're the avalanche again let's think back to what you just said and what i just said before that it's it's taking it a game at the time ga- taking it a game at a time and you know even gabe said last week he said i know you guys hate when we say that but it's genuinely what it is we're not thinking of game 82 of the playoffs we're taking it one game at a time if you need to win 10 straight games to make it into the playoffs you're not thinking you need to win 10 straight games you're thinking i need to win tomorrow once you win i just need to win thursday and once you win i just need to win saturday and it becomes easier to handle so 
one game at a time. You got the St. Louis Blues, possibly without O'Reilly and Brandon Saad, and you're trying to make you know a, a, a good impression on on your head coach who just called you out. You get a victory. You come back home on Saturday. You got the Minnesota Wild, who are one of the better teams in the NHL right now in the standings. You find a way to scrape out a victory. You're four and four. You just won two big games. You're starting to get healthy. Devon Taves was at practice on Wednesday. He took shifts with Eric Johnson. He took some shifts with Kale McCarr. He'll be back soon. Nichushkin and Francouz will likely be back in that time period around the Columbus games. You're feeling good about yourself, but you got to win these two games. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. If you don't win these two games, you need to look damn good where we're here talking about how the Avalanche did everything right but didn't win. Not that McCarr is causing turnovers at the blue line and that McKinnon is invisible for parts in the game or Kemper should have had that third one. That shouldn't be the conversation after these next two games. Right. It's seizing opportunities that are given to you, right? And these are two really good opportunities and the teams that figure it out find ways to win these games. So I'm feeling good about these two. I know it's easy to be uh, down on the team right now and pessimistic in Avs land, but I think these are two really good chances. And then you got a four day break right after that. Yeah. And some people might look at it and say, you mean the St. Louis Blues and Minnesota Wild that are a combined 10 and one right now? Yes, I mean the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wild that are a combined 10-1 and right now because this is a Colorado Avalanche. This is a team that is looking to win the Cup that just came off a President's Trophy in a weird season, I know. But this is a team that, you know, there's no games that you go into and be like, oh, let's scratch this one up as a loss like, you know, they used to for so many years when they go to California. It's like, yeah, they're going to go one and two maybe. No, you're one of the better teams in the league. You should be able to win any game. You proved it against Tampa. You took a step back against Vegas. You got two big opportunities here, like you said, to seize that opportunity. And you could just tell they're just pissed off in that locker room right now. Yep. And I think if they play pissed off, that's that's a really good version of this team. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, that being said, uh, you know we'll probably be back Sunday. That's Halloween night, so uh, you know we might not catch you. So be safe on Halloween. Get spooky out there. Just not too spooky. Other than that, you know, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Of course, we want to thank DraftKings and our new sponsors, Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. No, and just, again, shout out to Kyle Beach for having the strength to come out and, uh, you know, go public that he was John Doe in this court hearing and the court briefings and everything and the investigation. Um, I hope he finds a way to find peace and I hope he finds a way to inspire anybody that has, you know, been keeping something like this secret and letting it eat away at them for over a decade for them to step forward because there needs to be a movement here. There needs to be change. And it starts with somebody like Kyle Beach. Well said. Well said. So on that note, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Hockey is for everyone. And we out here.